listening to The Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering at Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope that this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Uh, my name is Tyler. I'm one of the, the pastors here, and uh, I'm excited to learn today from God's Word with you. Um, so if you have your Bibles, you can go and turn to Psalm chapter 16 this morning. We started a series last week. We're calling Psalms for the Summer. What we're doing is we're, we're looking at different psalms uh, in the book of Psalms, okay? Different psalms that uh, speak on or speak to different seasons of life. Um, Austin kicked us off last week, and he did a really great job of, of showing us, like, how do we respond in those moments in Psalm chapter 13 when we feel like we're forgotten by God? Like, in those moments when we feel like God isn't there, right? And, and I love, and what we're going to see, and, and I, this is one of the reasons I love the, the Psalms, is because I think the Psalms really do a great job of speaking to the reality of the human condition, don't they? Like, like, for instance, last week, like forgotten by God, how many of us have experienced that before, right? Like how many of us in our lives have had moments where we were like, God, where are you at? Like I don't feel your presence anywhere right now. I don't feel like you're close to me. Um, I, I don't feel you near. Are you even there? Do you care about me? Like what do you do in those moments when you feel forgotten by God? And then Psalm 16 today, what we're gonna look at is King David, the same guy who wrote Psalm 13, is going to talk and he's going to share a very personal and, and, and like intentional experience of, of deep satisfaction in the Lord. And so the Psalms, they, they kind of run the gamut of human emotions. And I think that's why I like them. They don't put on a facade. They don't, they don't like try to, to make you look, look like something else. Like they just show you like, this is what it's like to be a human, okay? Like you're gonna feel this way, you're gonna feel that way. Really, all you have to do is just turn the page and you'll find a different emotion, right? Like, and maybe not even turn the page. Like in Psalm 16 today, you just have to read a few verses and you'll experience a new emotion from David, right? It's almost like David has multiple personality sy syndrome, okay? Disorder, like that's, he's just experiencing emotion after emotion after emotion. That's, that's who he is. But that's what I love about the Psalms is they're just real. They're raw. And what we're going to see today in Psalm 16 is David really sums up his emotion, his experience in this moment as satisfaction. And so we're calling this one a Psalm for the Dissatisfied. Because I think there's so many times in life where we feel dissatisfied, maybe with our faith. We feel dissatisfied with how life is in the moment. We just feel a sense of dissatisfaction. So what do we do in those moments when we are dissatisfied? Now, last week, we all celebrated July 4th. How many of you pop fireworks? Okay, a, f a few, okay. Uh, put your hands down if it was just sparklers. Okay, I'm talking about like the Mac Daddy, like you almost blew your house up, fireworks. We had one kid in the last service who was the only person to raise his hand, and I was like, that's a little scary. Um, but July 4th, Independence Day, not the movie with Will Smith, but, but the holiday, like part of Independence Day is the Declaration of Independence. In the Declaration of Independence, there are what are unalienable rights, okay? Unalienable rights. These are rights that Every single per person, because they are born, they are entitled to. So, for instance, one of the unalienable rights is the pursuit of what? Happiness. Okay, I heard it. Yeah, the pursuit of happiness. Now, I think as Christians, as followers of Jesus, 
One of the things that, that I think this phrase understands, and as, as Christians we should agree with, is this, that God is not anti-happy. God is not anti-happy. And now I know, I know when I say that, for some of us, like our shoulders tense up a little bit. We're like, where is he going with this? Like, like God is not anti-happy. And, 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 and for some of you, it's because of the faith tradition you grew up in, right? That's what it is for me. The, the faith tradition that I grew up in, it was very much like God was ready to pounce on you. He was ready to, he was always angry. He was mean. Like that's, I never once heard a sermon that talked about, man, God desires for you to be joyful and happy and, 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 and peaceful. Like, like I never heard that. And so when I say like God is not anti-happy, for some of us, it's like, ah, that, I just get a little weird like with that. And I understand that, and that's okay. But, but God is not anti-happy. Let, let me just give you an example here. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse, 6, verse 17 says this. Paul says that God himself richly gives us all things. So let me pause there. He says, he doesn't say God just like every now and then like will hand you or give you something for, for the rest of your life. He says God richly gives you all things. So it's like God is sitting there and he's just overwhelming you with gifts. That's the type of father he is. He's just overwhelming you with gifts. Well, why does God do that? Paul goes on in that verse. He says God richly gives you all things. Why? To enjoy them. To enjoy those things. So let me just, let me pause here for a second, because I, I think for, for a lot of us, man, we feel like we have to be on 24-7, don't we? Like, we, have, we feel like we have to, like, share the gospel with every single person we come in contact with. We feel like we have to be defenders of the faith, like, be watchmen who are looking out, like, who's trying to seal my faith? Who's, who's going to take it from me? Like, like who's next? Like, we've, we have to feel like we're, we're on 24-7, but when is the last time that you just paused and stopped and enjoyed the gifts that the Father has given you? When's the last time you, you did that? Like those good gifts, like, like food and drink, the ability to play, the ability to laugh. Like these are gifts that the Father gives you, and Paul says that he gives you them, why? To enjoy them. When is the last time that you pause and you just enjoyed the gifts of the Father? So when we say God is not anti-happy, this is what we're talking about. He wants you to enjoy things. In fact, my challenge, just right from, from the start, is search the scriptures and just look for every word that talks about happiness, joyfulness, blessedness, and I guarantee you, you will be surprised at what the Bible has to say about all of that. Do it. When you get home, just, just look at all the verses that, that say that. But when we hear the pursuit of happiness, and I'm going to put myself in this category, I think for a lot of us, we identify more with the pursuit than the happiness part, don't we? Well, Tyler, what do you mean by that? Like, like the pursuit part, like we always feel like, man, like I'm always pursuing happiness and it always feels like it's just right around the corner, always out of reach. I never actually get, grab a hold of it. I can see it, but I'm always pursuing it. I never actually get in touch with it. And, and here's the thing, the examples of this are, are endless, aren't they? Like, 
for some of us, it's, it's almost like, hey, if I can just get another degree, then I'll finally be happy with life. For some of you, it's if I could just earn a little more money, then I think I'll be happy in life. If I can just find the right relationship, then I think I'm going to be, I think I'll finally find happiness. I'll be joyful. For some of you, it's if I can just find a relationship, okay, I'll be happy. I'll finally find, find joyfulness. Well, here's, here's my proposition to us this morning. I believe that Psalm 16 is going to be the, the antidote to this life of constant pursuit, a life of constant just dissatisfaction because we're constantly pursuing something that we cannot reach. And we're going to put a phrase up here, and this isn't the first point, but this phrase is going to drive everything that we talk about this morning. And so write it down. You can write it down on the back of your notes if you want. Um, but that phrase is this. There is a path of life that leads to eternal joy, and it is rooted in God's presence. It's rooted in God's presence. So Psalm chapter 16 this morning, we're actually just going to focus on verse 11. But to understand verse 11, we have to know the gist of everything else that this psalm is talking about. So I'm going to summarize it for us really, really fast. Okay. The assumption here is that King David wrote this psalm like he did Psalm 13. Um, but we don't exactly know why he wrote it, okay, the occasion that he wrote it. He could have written it because he was coming out of a very difficult situation, right? Um, we don't know. He could have written it because he was in a difficult situation, and that's why he wrote it. Or, like a lot of us who we feel like life is going really, really well, he could have written it because he sees a difficult situation on the horizon, right? Like, life is too good right now. I know troubles. I know hard times are going to come very, very soon. That could be why David wrote this. We don't know why. But here's what we do know. By the time he gets to the end of this chapter, he's expressing a deep personal confidence, a deep personal satisfaction in the Lord. And it's marked by pleasure. It's marked by joy. That's what he's experiencing in this moment. Well, how does he get there? Maybe the question maybe should be, how do we get there? Like, how do we experience that on a day-to-day -day basis? Well, look at verse 1. In verse 1, David says this, and this verse is so important, and it shapes everything else that we're going to talk about. He says, protect me, God, for I take refuge in you. Now, our, our English translations, they, they don't do a great job of conveying exactly how David is experiencing in this, what he's experiencing in this moment. If you were to read it in the Hebrew, it's almost like he's on his knees petitioning God, going, God, please protect me. Like, I am so anxious right now. I am so depressed. I am so afraid. Can you please just protect me? That's what he's, that's what he's experiencing in this moment. And then he spends the next eight verses reminding himself hey, this is who God is. This is what God has done in my life. This is who God has been to me. And let me just pause right here because I think for some of us in here, man, we would do a, we, it would benefit us a whole lot if we made it a habit, if we, did, if we did this on a daily basis where we just woke up and reminded ourselves, this is who God is. This is what he's done in my life. This is who he has been to me. 
it would do you a whole lot of good if you just made that a habit in your life. That's exactly what David is doing here. And he goes, he goes on and he, he reminds himself, this is who God is. And in verse one, he says, God, you are my protection. And then in verse two, he says, you're my Lord, you're my master, you are the giver of all good things. Verse three, he says, when we delight in God, God delights in us. And then in verse four, he says, you are the only true, all-satisfying God. That's who you are. And then in verse five, he says, God, you are my portion. You, you hold my future in your hands. Verse six, he says, you're my beautiful inheritance. I love that phrase. God, you are my beautiful inheritance. And then in verse seven, he says, you're my counselor. Like when I need wisdom, you give it to me, God. You are my, you are my good counselor. And then finally in verse eight, he ends in verse eight by saying, I will not be shaken. I will not be shaken. So, so here's the question. How does David go in just a few verses from petitioning God, going, God, please protect me. I need it right now. I am so anxious. Please protect me. How does he go from that and then just a few verses later to I will not be shaken? Peace. How does he get there? Well, look what he says in verse 8. He says, I always let the Lord guide me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Here's what David is saying. Here's what he's doing. He's saying, I set the Lord before me and I always remember that he's right beside me. He's right beside me. So catch this, guys, and this is so important. The bridge, okay, from God, please protect me to I will not be shaken is just a constant reminder of God's presence in your life. That's the bridge. That's what we need to understand. That's the bridge that David is getting at. And so David focuses he, he, he fixes his focus on God's presence in his life. And when he does that, he's able to speak with hope. He's able to speak with calmness. And ultimately, he's able to speak with joy, no matter what his circumstances are. Remember, there is a path of life that leads to eternal joy, and it's rooted in God's presence. And so we're going to let that phrase really drive everything else that we have to say, but let's finish up with verses 9, 10, and 11. David says this. He says, therefore, in other words, everything that I've said, everything that I've reminded myself about who God is, because of that, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My body also rests securely, for you will not abandon me to Sheol. You will not Allow your faithful one to see decay. And then verse 11, you reveal the path of life to me. In your presence is abundant joy, everlasting joy, fullness of joy, some of your versions say. At your right hand are eternal pleasures. So point number one for us this morning is this. There is a path of life, okay? Straight from verse 11, David says, you reveal the path of life to me. There is a path of life. Now, I'm, I'm positive, okay, if I was to ask some of you in here, like if I was just to ask you to raise your hand, like if I was to say, hey, raise your hand if this is part of your testimony, 
right? If I was to ask you to do this, some of you, I guarantee you raise your hand if you tried to do things your own way before you came to Jesus. Like I guarantee you for a lot of us in here, that's part of our testimony, isn't it? Like we just try, we kept trying to do things our own way and it just wasn't working out. For some of us, like it could be like we just partied all the time. For some of us, it could be we jumped from relationship to relationship. For, for some of us, it could just be like, man, we just, we went from career change to career change because we were just wanting more money. But what all of those have in common is that we were just searching, trying to get a hit of satisfaction and joy. But what you found out pretty fast probably is that it was just temporary, wasn't it? Like it was fleeting. And here's the thing. When you try to live the Christian faith that way, like with one foot in, one foot out, it's exhausting. And it doesn't work. <laughs> like it, it doesn't work. In fact, that's, that's kind of the paradox of the Christian faith, isn't it? Like, like, it's not until you like it's not until you give up your life or you lose your life that you'll finally find it. It's not until you stop trying to carve out your own path for joy, for satisfaction, that you'll finally find joy and satisfaction. But all of those things that we search for joy, for satisfaction in, that we think they'll bring it to us, they end up letting us down. And here's the thing that I think I struggle with the most, especially with this first point. When we read in verse 11, and it says, you revealed the path of life to me. I think the thing, if I'm just being transparent to you, the thing that I struggle with the most with this is the fact that God has to reveal it to me. Like, I can't get there by my own reasoning. I can't get there by my own, like, rationalization or, or my own, like, intuition. God has to reveal the path of life to me. He guides me. He directs me. He shows me the way. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, Psalm 119, verse 105, which is a great verse, and a lot of you probably have it memorized. It's a great verse, but also a verse that I get really frustrated with sometimes, okay? And it says this, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. Well, why do I get frustrated with that verse? Because God, I would like a spotlight every now and then, not a lamp, right? Like when it comes to my path, I would like a spotlight. Like show me where I'm going. Show me what's ahead of me so I can prepare myself. I don't want a lamp. And God's like, that's not how it works. Like you gotta trust me, you gotta have faith. You reveal the path of life. And here's the thing. The path of life begins with God, not with us, not with our desires, not with our plans. And not only that, but God has already walked the most impossible path imaginable. He crossed heaven, came to this earth, and he walked the path of Calvary to go to the cross and die for my sins and your sins. And so here's the thing, guys. When we talk about the path of life, and I don't even know if David understood what he was saying here, but when we say, you want to know what the path of life is? The path is a person, and his name is Jesus. That's what we're talking about here. So I don't even know if David really understood what he was saying here, but when he said, you reveal the path of life to me, he's talking about a person, and his name is Jesus. And so you want to know the path that leads to God's will for your life? The path is a person, and his name is Jesus. You want to know the path that will bring you satisfaction in this life? 
The path is a person and his name is Jesus. Satisfaction has always and will always be found in Jesus. Lord, you revealed the path of life to me and his name is Jesus. Number two, so you reveal the path of life and that path leads to eternal joy. Look what David says in verse 11. He says, you reveal the path of life to me in your presence is what? Abundant joy, fullness of joy, some of your versions say. So here's the thing. We know, we understand the path of life is Jesus Christ. We, we follow him, but, but inevitably what ends up happening is we always try to search for joy or satisfaction or fulfillment in other things. It just happens. And it's been that way from the beginning of time. Like just look at Eve, right? Like Eve saw the fruit, desired it, saw that it was good, and she ate it. How ridiculous does that sound? Like the eternal pleasures of God versus fruit, a piece of fruit. How ridiculous does that sound? But here's the thing. We do it every single day, don't we? How? Well, again, just think back to yesterday. Probably almost everyone in here, if, if, I'm, not, if I'm not talking about you, then, then way to go. Maybe you should be up here, okay, teaching the sermon, okay? But almost all of us in here probably woke up yesterday and the first thing we did was grabbed our phones and started scrolling, didn't we? Why? Just to look for a sense of, of satisfaction, look for a sense of joy, rather than going, you know what, I'm going to wake up and I'm just going to spend time in the presence of God. I'm going to spend time in his word first. So God versus our phones. And then we get up and, and what do we do? We put on clothes, right, that have certain labels that we think will, will maybe show something to some people, right, that, that will gain someone's approval in some way. And so then it becomes God versus our clothes or God versus other people's approval. And in there we go off and, and, and we go to school or we go to our jobs to earn a paycheck or to get a better degree, to earn a better paycheck, and it becomes God versus our paychecks, God versus our, our money. All of that sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? <laughs> Temporary satisfaction versus eternal joy. That's what David says here. He says, at your right hand are eternal pleasures. Let me ask you a question. Some of your versions say, in your presence is a fullness of joy. What's fuller than fullness? Nothing, right? Like absolutely nothing. You can't get fuller than that, can you? And then he says, at your right hand are eternal pleasures. What's longer than eternal? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing is longer than eternal. So here's what, here's what David is saying here. He's saying, you'll have eternally long, never-ending joy when you follow after Jesus. That's what you get. Now, let me tell you, let me, let me give you an example of this. So I, want, I want to tell you about a person that I met who had the, the most amount of joy that I've ever seen someone have. Um, back in 2009, I had the opportunity to go to uh, Southeast Asia, Laos, with three other guys that I was in college with, um, the country of Laos. And um, 
at the time, so, so every year there's this organization, they put out this saying called the World Watch List, and it's like the 50 most dangerous countries for Christians to travel to, live in, all of that good stuff. And I think at the time in 2009, when we went to Laos, Laos was like number seven on that list, okay? Heavy, heavy, intense persecution. Um, even sometimes it led to death, right? If you were a follower of Jesus, and they found that out. So we flew to Thailand, and long story short, we uh, met, the, met the missionary over there in Thailand, and we smuggled in some Christian literature into Laos for him um, so that he didn't have to do it. And we spent two weeks riding around on motorcycles with this Christian literature and Walmart sacks that were in our backpacks. And we would stop on the side of the road, circle around one of us, act like we were tourists while the person in the middle was on the ground, and they were putting the sacks on the road while we marked it on the GPS system for the missionary. Um, and then we would just drive off. Um, Laos is a very poor country, but they want it to look clean. And so anything on the side of the road, they would pick up. Any trash, anything, um, they would pick up. And the missionary was hearing story after story after story of people coming to know Jesus because they found these Walmart sacks on the side of the road. Well, we got the opportunity to meet one of those people. This guy, his name was Samson. I don't know what his, his like, birth name was, but he had changed his name to Samson, okay, because that was his favorite character in the Bible. And uh, he had come to know Jesus through one of these Walmart sacks. He was, like, in his early to mid-30s. And when he came to know Jesus, his village um, beat him up, and then they kicked him out of his village and said, if you ever come back, we'll kill you. But here's the thing about Samson. When we met him, he had the most joy I've ever seen anyone have in my life. The most joy I've ever seen anyone have in my entire life. And here's what's crazy about that. We were the very first Christians Samson had ever met. We kind of take this thing for granted a little bit, don't we, at times? Like we get to come here on Sundays and we get to worship together, be around other believers and people that, that, that worship Jesus with us. We were the very first Christians that Samson had ever met in his entire life. And so if there was anyone who, like, circumstantially, like, had a reason to not be joyful, it was this guy, right? But he was the most joyful person I had ever met in my life. Here's the reason I bring that up. Think about the moment that you felt, like that, that moment when, when you felt, man, for the, for the first time when you were like, this is as good as it gets. I wish I never had to move away from this. That's just a fraction. That's just a glimpse of the eternal joy that Jesus wants to bring you when you follow him. Did you know that God commands joy? Did you know that? Psalm chapter 37, verse four says, take delight in the Lord. Psalm 32, 11, be glad in the Lord, shout for joy. Psalm 67, 4, let the nations rejoice and shout for joy. Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. This is why, and this, I think this is why I'm so passionate about this, because I, I feel like, man, this is one of the greatest apologetics for the faith that we as Christians have, and it's just being joyful. Being joyful, regardless of our circumstances, being joyful. The path of life that leads to eternal joy is the path of walking with Jesus. It's the path of spending time with Jesus. 
It's the path of, of singing and praying and worshiping Jesus. That's what brings eternal joy. Pastor Tony Evans, he makes this point this way. He says, it's impossible to be in the atmosphere of the sun and not get hot. This past week, my family and I, we were in Houston for the 4th of July. It felt like we were on the atmosphere, like the sun, okay? Like it was brutal, right? It was, it was miserable. But he goes on to say this. He says, in the same way, you cannot live in the atmosphere of God and not have joy. You can't. It's impossible. You cannot spend time with God and not be joyful, and please hear me when I say this. I'm not, I'm not saying coming to Jesus automatically makes life easier for you. I mean, just look at Samson. Did life get easier for him? No, it did not. Don't confuse joy with a life of ease. But with Jesus, your life absolutely gets fuller. It gets more fruitful. That's what you can expect with him. I think this is why he says in John 6, 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall not thirst. In other words, what I think Jesus is saying here is he's saying, man, that search that you are going on for happiness, for joyfulness, that you feel like is just a constant pursuit, I'm the end of it. Like it stops with me. So just come to me. Let me bring you the joy that you are so longing for. Let me give it to you. That's what Jesus is saying here. There is a path that leads to eternal joy, and in number three, it's rooted in God's presence. Verse 11 says, you reveal the path of life to me. In your presence is abundant joy. Remember in verse one, David, he's crying out to God. He's saying, protect me, please. I need your protection. And then in verse 8, he says, I will not be shaken. Well, how did he get there? By reminding himself that God is always with him. Like, I'm never not in the presence of Almighty God. He's always beside me. And so here's my challenge for us this morning. As we get ready to respond in, in worship, as we get ready to just sing one more song, here's my challenge. If you've been searching for joy, if you've been dissatisfied, if you're looking for satisfaction... It's not something that you need. It's someone that you need. It's not something. It's someone that you need. Full, eternal, lasting, never-ending, real joy is found only in God's presence. He himself is the joy. And, and, here's, and I understand, like you may be sitting there going, well, you don't know like my circumstance right now. Like Tyler, you know in Psalm 23 where David talks about going through the valley of shadow of death, I feel like I don't go through it, I live in it. I feel like that's where I'm at. And I get that. Like I understand that. But what does David say in that Psalm? In Psalm 23, he says, I can go through the valley of the shadow of death. Why? Because you are with me. In other words, God doesn't look at us and say, hey, I'll take you around the shadow, does he? He says, no, when you go through the shadow, I'll go too. 
So why can we be joyful? Why can we be satisfied in all circumstances? Because Jesus is with us in all circumstances. And so maybe for, for you this morning, maybe the response is, when we stand and sing, you just need to sit and just bask in the presence of God. As we sing these next few words, maybe for you, it's just to allow those words to just speak to your heart. Maybe for, for, for some of you, it's just praying and saying, God, I've, I've run from you. Like, I've moved on from you. I've tried to find joy and satisfaction in other things. And all of those things have left me wanting when, when you are the joy. You are the satisfaction that I need. Bring me back to you. Remind me of who you are. Maybe that's what you need to do this morning. We're going to have some people up front that would love to pray with you if that's what you need. This is also going to be open. You can just come and pray by yourselves or you can stay at your seat um, and pray there. Don't move on from this moment without, al with, without allowing God to do a work in your heart today. Let's pray. God, we come to you this morning and I just thank you, Father, for this church that we can come here and we can speak truths and God even sometimes when they're hard to hear or hard to digest we can take them and we can wrestle with them I pray Father that if there are people here today who just are, are lacking joy in their lives who are lacking satisfaction in their lives that they would see this endless pursuit for it can stop and they can leave here today knowing that you are the joy that they're searching for. You are the satisfaction that they're searching for. Father, continue to meet with us. Let your spirit continue to work. We love you, God, and we thank you for your grace. To Jesus' name we pray. Amen. by today's message, subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcasts. To learn more about the venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church. 